Welcome to The Rancher's Voice, presented by the Montana Stocker Association. I'm Jay Bodner, MSGA's Executive Vice President. And I'm Rayleigh Honeycutt, Director of Natural Resources. Join us for conversations surrounding policy, the legislature, and issues that matter most to ranching families in Montana. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the MSGA Podcast. This week, we're going to have a special guest. We're going to have MSGA's second vice president, Leslie Robinson, with us. She was recently appointed to the FWP uh, Fish and Wildlife Commission, so we'll have her on our interview. And we're also going to be talking a little bit about last week, some of the funding bills, and then also a look forward at this week as we look at uh, a number of bills that we'll be hearing this week. We also want to remind you to make sure to subscribe to The Rancher's Voice, follow us on social, and make sure to like, share, and comment on each episode. If you have questions for us, email us at Kenny, K-E-N-I, at mtbeef.org. So last week, we'll start with House Bill 2. That is the major funding bill for the state of Montana. That did pass the Senate. Um, it, they did put a few amendments onto it, which is kind of no, a normal um, situation. It did go back to the House. Uh, with the Senate amendments. So they'll be working on that in a conference committee. Um, it is required to constitutionally required to pass as a balanced budget. So I think this puts us in a good position as this bill moves forward in a pretty timely matter, um, maybe more timely than normal for sessions. In addition to that, we also have House Bill 632. So this is the funding bill that would uh, accept the ARPA money or the federal fund funding money. And so that has also been introduced. Um, it's had a hearing. It's had a number of amendments in it. And um, I think that's still a work in progress as they kind of uh, finesse kind of that bill along with House Bill 2 and, um, and House Bill 14 also. So the next one, will be House Bill 14, and uh, we've talked quite a bit extensively about House Bill 14. That is the long-range building funding bill that includes a lot of capital investments, which also includes the Veterinary Diagnostic Lab, um, the Wool Lab, and then some maize money. So um, that also had a hearing on the Senate Finance and Claims. We did go in in support of that. And so we're just right now, the Senate Finance and Claims will be well, be waiting on uh, executive action there. So we'll let you know as soon as the, that is taken. Yeah. And it's important to point out one, one thing that's occurring that's not fully hammered out yet, but House Bill 14 is typically a bonding bill, but because of the ARPA money in House Bill 632, uh, the projects that will remain in House Bill 14 will be cash paid for and there will be no bonding. And right now those committees are kind of juggling which which projects get paid with ARPA, which will stay in 14, and then everything will be paid in cash, which will be um, great moving into the future um, for our infrastructure budget. Yeah, and in addition, 632, they still are learning some of the rules that haven't been written yet, and so a uh, little uncertainty of how that money can be spent. So um, some more work to be done. Additionally, last week, there were um, a couple bills that we wanted to point out some changes for. Uh, if you track 
um, in our email. We kind of map out the status of bills and and we've had some um, changes over the last week that we wanted to share with you. So the first bill is House Bill 679. That was a bill from Representative Josh Kazmaier regarding reimbursement to landowners for crop damage um, in wildlife. That bill um, was tabled in committee and last week, as we had talked about, was a uh, transmittal deadline for any appropriation bills. And so with that bill being tabled, it did not move to the second house um, before the deadline and 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 now is um, what is con- uh, presumed as a probably dead bill um, because it did not meet that deadline. So uh, we won't see any more action from House Bill 697, but we did have some um, other bills that popped up. Uh, Senate Bill 306, which was Senator Lang's bill regarding the structure of the Fish and Game Commission. Uh, That bill had also been tabled in committee, but was also amended before it was tabled. The amendment uh, changed the landowner number number from four seats to two seats. Then the bill was tabled. Last week, that was taken off the table and passed out of committee and has since moved to the floor and had its uh, second reading. So that That bill is now alive and moving through uh, the second house. Additionally, Senate Bill 29, which is uh, Senator Butch Gillespie's bill regarding weather modification, was similar to that one I just spoke about. It had been tabled in committee, but was taken off the table and passed out of committee last week. And then lastly, uh, House Bill 677, which was the nonprofit corporation bill um, for buying ag land. Uh, Representative Dan Bartell had brought that. That is similar to that first bill that I spoke about. It was was tabled in committee and then missed its transmittal date. So it is now a dead bill as well. So moving on to some of the key MSGA bills, we'll, I'll start with House Bill 554. This would be require the legislative approval of the National Heritage Areas and Historic Trails. Uh, this was in the second house. This is a priority bill for us, as I mentioned. Uh, it was on second reading on the House floor or on the Senate floor on April 12th, and it did pass 30 to 19. So we're pretty uh, excited about that. Um, Certainly there was a lot of strong support for that bill, recognizing the importance of private property rights. Uh, It will go, uh, if it does pass on third reading, it will go back to the House for final approval because there was a small amendment on there where we just added uh, a couple of words. And so we would anticipate uh, that that would go into a committee and and or they would accept the senate uh, um, amendments and uh, that bill would get passed again so we'll be keeping you up to date as that bill continues to move forward Uh, our second bill was house bill 660 this was the funding for made in montana we would put an additional two hundred thousand into that program Uh, this bill also we've um, recognized that this bill this program has grown significantly and certainly with covid um, it has a greater opportunity to promote montana products which we're very proud of our montana products and it is scheduled for a hearing in front of the senate ag on tuesday so Uh, We'll be in there and certainly in support of that. 
Additionally, on Tuesday in Senate Ag Committee, uh, House Bill 681 will be heard. This is in regards to um, creating that agricultural transportation enhancement account for ports and port authorities. Uh, it will be heard uh, again on Tuesday the 13th, and so we will be going in to support that bill as well so that uh, right now the bill stands as to, with $2 million for port authorities to apply for grants to build and work on infrastructure. So now I'd like to introduce Leslie Robinson. As I mentioned earlier, Leslie is our second vice president. Uh, she recently was appointed to the Fish, Wildlife and Parks uh, Commission, and she is currently the chair of that commission. So welcome, Leslie. Well, I'd like to welcome everybody. Our guest for this week is Leslie Robinson. Leslie Robinson is our second vice president of the Montana Stockroar Association. And Leslie, I know that you've been a member for a lot of years, but please just tell our listeners, maybe you can start with just giving a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your background. Sure. Uh, thanks for having me. And uh, I am from Phillips County and fourth generation rancher in Phillips County. My husband, Jim Robinson and I, we have a commercial cow-calf yearling operation. Um, we've... Uh, like I said, I'm fourth generation. Jim's family has been in Phillips County since 1958. So we um, just, ran, our both families have ranched for forever. And I used to be a county commissioner for Phillips County. I served 12 years as a county commission. And um, it, I was so active on the local, state, and national levels with that. I served as the Western Interstate Region President, which is the 15 Western states. I served on the Executive Board of the National Association of Counties. And I just have a lot of experience with different boards. And I, I really look forward to serving on the commission. So yeah, let's talk about the commission a little bit. So you have been selected by Governor Gianforte to serve as the chair of the Fish and Wildlife Commission. So can you share a little bit more about what that role entails as chair? And then also what are some of your goals going into serving on the commission? Sure. I, as chair, I will uh, be able to uh, work with the department before our meeting and to set the agenda and figure out what, what should be on the agenda. And then when it comes to running the meeting, right now we're running the meetings by Zoom. And I just try, when I run a meeting, to try to be as efficient and fair as possible. And people can sign up, or they don't even have to sign up, they can just come on and, and uh, comment on the different agenda items that we have. And it's a very, very long agenda. We, I think, went seven and a half hours, our last commission meeting. So I just want to remind everybody, too, when you, when you do call in to comment, to try to focus your comments, because we do have to uh, limit the comments be, just to make sure that everybody gets to comment. And uh, I want everybody's voice to be heard. So um, that's, that's kind of how we've been uh, running the meetings. And I... I think that customer service is very important and for the commission to be accessible to the public is very important to me. And so I just would encourage anybody to call in and comment on our agenda items. Leslie, so as chair, do you have any inclination of if uh, those meetings will move 
to more of an in-person platform or do you think they will continue to be more of the Zoom platform that they currently are being conducted under? Sure, I, I think that eventually we'll go back to in-person, but I think that Zoom can be used for maybe a shorter uh, meeting if we have something that's maybe a special meeting. I think that it, it would be, it totally makes sense to do that on Zoom just because we're spread out all over the state. Great. Well, I'd like to get a, just into a little bit more in depth on the commission. So you are one of two landowners that are on the commission. And really, I think for our organization and our members, a really important factor is that we do, <clears throat> we do have a landowner or an active ag producer that is representative on the commission. So maybe I, if you could talk just a little bit more of why that is so important uh, that agriculture be represented on the FWP commission. Well, statutorily, one person has to be a member that is experienced in breeding and management of domestic livestock. So we're, we're guaranteed that one, one person on the commission fits that. But I just think it's very important to have landowners on the commission because we are the stewards of the habitat for the wildlife and access a lot of times to the wildlife. And so, so important to have a rancher landowner perspective on the commission to bring um, everyday life experiences that we have. And our ranch has been part of block management since 2000. So over 20 years, we've been a part of block management. And, and so I also think that as my role of the Montana Stock Grower Second Vice President, I'll be able to listen to ranchers from across the state and see what issues they have with uh, wildlife or hunters, predation, you name it. But I also wanna uh, be clear that it's not always problems. We have uh, very good experiences with hunters too. We've made lifelong friends. Um, several generations of hunters have come to our place. So. I just think that it's important to have the landowner perspective on the commission. And that landowner perspective does bring um, a great view uh, for the commission. And so recently during the uh, most recent commission meeting, the working group that had been working on the elk management plan uh, presented during that meeting. And that was a culmination of landowners, hunt sportsmen, a variety of different stakeholder groups. So can you share with us a little bit about what was presented during the meeting and then what the next steps are for the commission as it relates to the elk management plan? Sure. So we listened to the process and the experiences of the elk management uh, plan working group. And we approved for those processes to uh, go forward and they are up for public comment right now and comments are open until May 3rd. And you can find the information on the FWP website. But this is, uh, these are just intended to help guide the planning process. So there's still a lot of work to be done in the process and lots of opportunity for public engagement in it. And we, think that the final product will probably be at least a year out. But I, I just want to add too that I think that these working groups are so important and we set up a working group on an issue that we had on our agenda this last meeting in April and so I just want to encourage people 
people to sign up when you do see that there is an opening for a working group. If it's something that you're interested in, uh, don't be afraid to, to sign up for it to possibly serve on one of the groups. Yeah, we had um, a member, uh, Ed Fryer from MSGA serving on the elk management group. And, and so can you tell our listeners a little bit about how they do sign up? Is it posted on the website or how do people find out where there's opportunities for working groups? Sure. There, it's also, it's on the website and I would suggest that they go to the uh, news releases. So it's under news and public notices and then go down to the news releases. And that's where you'll find what is out for public comment, uh, what openings there are and what the deadline is to sign up for them. Great, and that may be something that um, as an organization that we can help uh, assist people in because it is important to have uh, landowner members on those working groups and I think they will be much more active. And certainly as this elk management plan, it's it's been in the works for a number of years talking about even just rewriting it. And we know that, as you said, it'll be a year out probably before anything gets finalized. But, you know, as we talk through our membership, elk management is probably one of the most hot top and hot topic button issues out there. So it will be important for our members to stay engaged through that entire process. So yeah, we look forward to that, Leslie. Right. Kind of moving on, I know that, um, you know, beyond just um, some of the season setting issues that uh, in elk management that the commission does work on, uh, there are a lot of other issues that the commission does also engage on, and they many of those do have an impact on agriculture landowners. And so I was hoping that you might be able to touch on a few of those issues and, and just to give people a little bit better understanding of some of those other issues that we will uh, be anticipating. Our next uh, commission meeting is until June. But a couple issues that we expect to be on the agenda will be wolf hunting and trapping regulations. And also on the commission, uh, we would like to look at uh, moving the, or for the dates for the 2021 elk shoulder seasons and potentially extending them to February 15th where that date has already, um, has not been extended to February 15th, kind of make it the same across the board. So I think that's, uh, a couple of the issues that we'll be looking at at our next meeting. Great, and I know that um, chronic wasting disease um, has certainly been another issue that we um, haven't been terribly, we haven't actively engaged in, although I think it's on everybody's mind and, and the impacts to that, but I know that's certainly a, a one of the priorities that the department will be working on. And anything new on that front that, um, you anticipate or uh, expect that may impact landowners in the near future? At this point, I'm, I'm not, I guess, aware of, uh, of that issue of what we would have on the agenda, but uh, it's always part of the discussion. Uh, we had something on the last agenda about using sense and we, and we took, we had a lot of discussion about where uh, the sense could be purchased from uh, what states, you know, have chronic wasting disease, what states don't. So it's just, it's constantly changing too. So I think it's just something that the uh, FWP is on top of at all times. 
And we've talked a lot about um, the importance of the landowner voice being heard, um, both from a constituent standpoint and in public comments, but also um, as people serving on the commission as well. So talk to us a little bit about, as the chair, how would you like to see more landowners get engaged with the commission? I would like to see more landowners commenting on, on different issues. And it can be in written comment or it can be, um, eventually we'll have an in-person comment, but in it, I, I know that's very tough for people to know when to comment on what issue when we have uh, seven and a half hours of Zoom meeting, because you don't know when that issue is gonna come up. So you have to have a lot of patience. But uh, like I said, there's always a written comment too, or call us because our phone numbers and emails are all listed on the FWP commission website. And so I would encourage uh, people to call the commissioners because when we, there is a, a, a lot of reading and a lot of research that has to go into every agenda item before we go to a meeting. And it is very helpful to get comments from the public also. And we, if there was a public comment period, we receive all of those comments and we read through all of those comments, but uh, sometimes it just helps to talk to someone in person and other uh, issues or questions might arise that uh, we can get answered before the meeting. But I would just encourage, and it is tough. Like, like we said, there's so many different issues and so many different comment periods. And, and so that I think is where the stock growers could be helpful uh, to the members as to what issues at the moment are, are asking for comment. Great, and I think we certainly can do that. I think it is important to give people kind of a heads up of what's coming up in the upcoming meetings. And so I think that's something that, yeah, we can incorporate to share with, with members. So um, it doesn't come as a surprise to them and lets them kind of collect some thoughts and has an opportunity then to, to either reach you or some of the other commissioners. So um, something we'll certainly engage on. I know just kind of moving on, we, we talked a little bit about the Citizens Advisory Boards that was kind of utilized in the elk management tool to kind of craft some of that. And it looks like those kind of um, um, boards will be kind of engaged on, we're gonna utilize those more into the future. So how, how do you think uh, people um, is best to uh, get involved in those if they're interested. I know we talked a little bit about it on the website, but uh, do you see that as a tool moving forward also? I think so. I think that the citizen advisory groups will be used more and more. Um, there's a citizen advisory councils that are per region. And so those also are a very diverse group of people. And if that those in particular, the people should talk to their regional offices and see if there are openings coming up. Uh, it's that's not available currently on the website, but but besides that, there is also I think I just right now uh, the Madison Working Group is asking for uh, people to apply for that, and we have uh, specific different uh, areas that they have to fit into, but. Um, I, I guess regionally would probably be their best bet is talking to the regional offices and seeing what, what is available and how they can get more active in the groups. 
Great. And I know that it does, it is pretty useful to have landowners on those regional groups because they see things and are aware of things of either, you know, game populations or, you know, potential impacts. And so it, it is really useful for those. And the director now has also indicated that he would like a lot of these proposals to be initiated at those citizen groups level instead of being directed from the department. So certainly think that's an opportunity for us to engage in. Right, I think, I think it's very important to have things come from, from the bottom up rather than the top down. <clears throat> so that will be helpful, I think, to have um, groups to give direction to the, the department and the commission. Great. Well, Leslie, I think we've covered our questions for today. So I very much appreciate you joining us and I very much appreciate your uh, commitment to being chair as the FWP. We're very excited to have uh, yourself uh, as a landowner and as a MSGA member to serve in that capacity. So um, we wish you the best. We'll look forward to working with you very closely on many of these issues as they come in front of the commission. And once again, we'd like to encourage our members to you know, contact Leslie or other commission members if these issues come up to make sure that you know, landowners get uh, our views uh, brought in front of the commission. So with that, thank you very much, Leslie. Thank you, I appreciate it. Well, I'd like to once again, thank Leslie for joining us today. Certainly it's, it's a welcome addition to have not only an MSGA member and vice president as on the commission and as chair, but certainly as a landowner also. And, and I think she pointed out some very strong points of the importance of handing, having a landowner representation on that uh, commission. So once again, I'd like to just thank Leslie for joining us today. We'd also thank you for joining us as well. And just as a reminder, want to remind you to subscribe to The Rancher's Voice. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. And make sure to like, share, and comment on each episode. We'd love to hear from you. So submit your comments to Kenny, K-E-N-I, at mtbeef.org. And thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>